Welcome to another episode of Cranked and Ranked, the podcast where two dudes rank things. That's us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and today, normally we do band or artist discographies and rank them in whatever order we feel is uh, their least good to most good um, or worst sometimes. But um, <laughs> t- today uh, we're actually doing a thing we do sometimes where we take a particular year and we rank our top 10 albums of that particular year. And we've done quite a few. We've, you know, we've we've done a handful in the 80s and the 90s, but we've only done like one in the 70s so far, I think. I think, I th- I think it's two. We've done 76 and, and 77. 77. So we're doing and 78 today. Yeah, t- today is 1978, which was a pretty damn good year. Uh, for music, um, and uh, and and you know, a lot of good things happened that year. But probably the greatest thing that happened that year was I was born hey. um, in 1978 in Mar- in March of 1978. Nice. And um, and uh, you know, so all of these albums that we're talking about, I didn't hear till years later. Obviously, um, even <laughs> if I did, I would not have remembered. It. Do you do you have any memories from prior to being like four years old or something? Cause it seems like everyone I meet their first memories are all around four. I have a few memories from before that, but they largely consist of me eating a sandwich. Uh, <laughs> That's a lot of my memories too. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, as usual, it's me old head, your host. And with me as always, Eddie Sparks. That's me. Yeah, the yeah. Mr. Ed, Eddie Sandwich Sparks. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's our top 10 albums of 1978. And um, every time we do these, it's it's very it's they're, they're very personal lists. Um, yeah. So us leaving out an album doesn't necessarily mean, you know, we're saying it's not a good album. It's just these are our personal top 10 favorites of the year. And um, if you're you know, watching this on YouTube, you're more than welcome to put your own top 10 in the comments. In fact, I encourage it. Um, sometimes there's albums that came out in 1978 that I didn't even know came out in 1978. I think I've, I think I've found most of the ones that I would be interested in hearing, but you never know. Some, there's always those little gems that are lesser known that eventually see the light of day someday. And everyone's like, Oh man, this album was in 78. Why didn't I know about it? Um, (laughs) But I think the majority of my albums are uh, very well known. And, um, and there, there's, there might be a couple surprises in there also as well. Um, But, uh, but yeah, I guess we don't have anything. Normally it's like, Oh, Hey, when did this band come into your life? Nope. There's no, there's no bands. It's uh, it's well, there are bands, but (laughs) <laughs> um, these are just albums. We'll talk about the albums when we get to the particular albums. So I'm going to stop with all this bullshit and we're going to get into it. Um, so as usual, um, I let Mr. Eddie Sparks lead the way and start off the list. And so uh, he's going to start off with his number 10 album of 1978. Cool. So my number 10 album of 1978 is Powerage by ACDC. Okay, cool. Now, this is a pretty recent addition because all of us all of a sudden, 
from out of nowhere, I suddenly have the ACDC bug. Oh. Where, where I am... Because the thing is, most of my exposure to ACDC has been from pop culture because their music gets used in so many things that it's real easy to get burnt out on the hits. Yeah. But I just recently st- decided, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to pick one of their 70s albums, and it just so happened to be Powerage. And I fucking loved it, because here's the thing. The way I kind of heard it, being such an 80s fan, mm-hmm. ACDC are basically what the hair metal bands were doing just without any of the production or bells and whistles. They're just badass. And without no bullshit. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it is when you stop and think about it, there's so much glam metal that's like, and I'm a huge fan of that genre. So I say mm-hmm. that in a, in an endearing way. Yeah. Um, you know, if if you stuck a bunch of reverb and chorus on ACDC, you'd pretty much have a hairband because there's so many bands like uh, fucking, what are they called? Cinderella, Girls' School, Kicks. They could all be ACDC songs. Yeah. Like, but it just so happened that they came up in a different it, time. I mean, they're, they're a band that has been influencing people nonstop since mm-hmm. I mean, it, it seems like since maybe the early '80s is when you started hearing it in a lot of other bands, but you still hear it today. Fuck, they just fucking Ugly Kid Joe just released yeah. a new song, and it sounded exactly like an ACDC song. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, well, shit. And it's, even today, the the, the reach is uh, is insane. But um, on, yeah, I, honestly, I don't know Powerage that much. I, I I don't even remember what this what the big if there were any big tracks off of that one. We got Rock and Roll Damnation, um, Riff Raff, Sin City, love those songs. Okay. Down Payment, Down Payment Blues. It's just really good, no bullshit music, man. I mean, it's just like... Meat and a, potatoes, as they say. Meat and potatoes. But like for a long time, I was kind of burnt out on their hits. And I was kind yeah. of like... I was kind of thinking to myself, well, if this is all ACDC is then you kind of only need the hits. But how how wrong I was, because oh, here's yeah. the thing. Like, it's all just badass music. And mm-hmm. um, it's good to have a change of pace once in a while and just go back to the basics and hear what a fucking cranked Marshall stack sounds like, you know? Yeah, I've honestly never heard an, an ACDC album I didn't like. But that being said, I can't, they're not a band that I go to all the time because they were very consistent in their sound and like yeah. didn't really waver one way or the other from it. And I, I say didn't like it's past tense. They're still a band. They just put yeah. out an album, I think, last year. Um, but yeah, they, they they are they are one of those bands that the, they have an album from the eighties that's called "Blow Up Your Video." Yeah, and I actually really like it, but it's one that's like kind of never talked about. And yeah. I'm like, so it's so I, I almost say that, like, sure, you know, the hits, but I almost feel like the albums that like when you see it and go on, oh, I don't know this one that those are the ones that you should probably go for most of the time. Yeah, I think as well, I heard somewhere like depending on how many albums they had at the time, I think Angus Young, he's got a sense of humor about it, you know, it, and mm-hmm. like someone said, uh, 
you know, there's people that say you've done 10 albums in a row that sound the same. And he goes, that's wrong. We've made 11 albums that sound the same in a row. <laughs> it's like, but you know, ACDC does ACDC better uh-huh. than anyone could. So, and they're such an iconic, influential band. I mean, hell, um, there's that band Airborne who are basically ACDC too. But, yeah. you know, I, I find them enjoyable too. But ACDC, they're not going to escape the we really like ACDC thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's just, again, like I say, great meat and potatoes, rock and roll mm-hmm. for when you can't be fucking bothered with any of the bells and whistles and you just want to hear loud kick-ass shit. Plus, uh, Power Age is still Bon Scott on vocals. Yeah. Which, honestly, like, I, I prefer his vocals. I do like Brian Johnson and a lot of yeah. what he did. But there's something about Bon Scott that he just sounds like it's sort of unhinged. Um, yeah. Like, a, a really uh, unpredictable kind of dude. And I, I'm guessing that's what he was. But just <laughs> his whole his whole thing was, like, anti- you know, frontman vocalist. His stuff yeah. was just so like almost like bratty <laughs> in yeah. a way. And uh and I just uh I've I've always just enjoyed his delivery. I think Ugly Kid Joe's new song had a lot to do with me checking out, you know, ACDC oh, yeah? again. Yeah, because I heard it and I thought, well if I like it when Ugly Kid Joe do it, I must like yeah. it when the band it sounds like fucking does it. So you know? Yeah. Yeah. ACDC is one of those bands that like if I when I've been out like at a bar and there's just a jukebox and somebody randomly puts on any ACDC song, it it immediately makes everything feel like more of a party. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so something to be said for them. Um, is that all you Hell got yeah, for, uh, for for Power Age? Yeah. Yeah. Over Power here. Age. I don't know how it's Power pronounced. Age. Power Rage. Power Aid. And <laughs> it's good, good for electrolytes. Um, oh, yeah. Anyway, so um, my, we're not I'm sponsored, going, by the way. <laughs> no, no. I would, I would drink a Powerade every episode if we were sponsored by them. I mean, that's yeah. That that's, I probably need to drink things like that. <laughs> Hintity hint hint company. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Does anybody have? I mean, I would, I would be all down for. I mean, at this point, I, I, you know, I'm always drinking coffee or beer. So you would think some company someday is going to latch onto that and be like, oh, maybe we should get him to talk about our stuff. Um, yeah. Right now, I don't. I haven't. You know, they they look at my numbers and they go, "Oh, he doesn't have enough views for it to make a fucking difference at all." Um, you got more than me. <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 very true. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's only because you 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 had a lull in making videos, which uh, which I, I I've heard a rumor that, that that there might be videos coming. So um, oh, I mean, if you if you're watching the video, he's pointing at his his green screen is set up behind his drum kit. And yeah. that means that means goodness is happening. Um, so let's move. Uh, let, let's move on to mine. Mine's mine's uh, mine's very different um, f- from a different. Yours, you're you're over in Australia. I'm I'm over in England with mine. Um, my number ten is uh, the album this year's model by Mr. Elvis Costello. Okay, I brought, and I brought my records of all. If you're on YouTube, I brought my records for all of these. This is, I believe, the th- third. Elvis Costello album, or it might be the second. I don't know. Um, it's really, I like a lot of Elvis Costello is like you're talking about with ACDC where like, I've heard all of his hits and whenever I hear an Elvis Costello song, I like it. But really this year's model is the only album that I've heard that all the way through. I just really, really like, Hmm. um, that's sort of like, you know, seventies power pop 
kind of thing. Um, a little bit, it almost sounds a little bit new wave, I guess, you know, at times. But this one's got like so many fucking classic songs on it. I mean, I think you know, radio radio's on here. Um, and I think the this is the American version, and it doesn't unfortunately it doesn't have I don't want to go to Chelsea, which is on the British version, but and that's a fucking great song too. Um, but uh, you know, no action is a great fucking starter for this album. It's just got so many, uh, so many great songs. I think you know, Pump It Up's on here too. Um, so uh anyway, so it's like uh I, I don't I don't I don't know what really how to how to you know if you know Elvis Costello, then you then you're like, yep. And if not, I all I can say is it's just really uh fun, energetic poppy rock music yeah. um and um i've always really liked elvis costello's voice um he's he's just he he sounds very unique and um it's just a really fun album it's you know it, for for my number 10 i don't have a whole lot to say about it i'm just like yeah it's <laughs> it's literally an album that i don't really have a lot picking it apart except for it you put it on and it's a cool vibe and it's a fun vibe and that's about all there is to it. So that's album that's my good. number 10. Yeah, album good. More coffee. <laughs> cool. So yeah, that uh, Elvis Costello is a guy I need to check out a lot more yeah. of. Yeah. Because I like Power Pop, so let's let's go. Yeah. But yeah. So my, my number nine, jumping back into metal territory mm-hmm. uh, with... Judas Priest's Killing Machine. All right, and if, so, I'm, if I'm if I'm remembering right, didn't they release two albums in 1978? They did, and I believe this is the better of the two. Okay, cool. And Killing Machine, which later would become known as Hellbent for Leather. Hellbent for Leather. See, yeah. I'm not even a Judas Priest fan, and I know some of these facts because we hey. did our ranking a year, we, year ago. Fuck, it's been a long time. I think that was the first trilogy we did, wasn't it? It may, that it was, very well may have been. So that's it was a big two one. years ago. Damn, yeah. dude, where's it going, dude? Um, but but yeah. I, I like the, I like this album as well. Yeah, it's it, it's one of their better seventies albums for me. Me, I, I'm an eighties, I'm a eighty two to ninety kind of priest guy. That's where my kind of top five albums. I, sit. I think we've discovered that we're both eighties Judas Priest people. If if I if I was yeah. gonna be a Judas Priest fan, I'm a fan of a lot of the albums from the eighties. See, that's the thing. I appreciate and respect the legacy and influence of their 70s stuff. But I think, sure. to to my ears, having discovered them after the fact, you know, mm-hmm. I think they got better. And I feel like there were other bands in the 70s doing what they were doing a little better. But then by the time they got to the 80s, Priest really shines guitar-wise and whatnot and... But, yeah, when it comes to Killing Machine, I think Killing Machine is a better produced album than Stained Class. Stained Class has some great songs on it, mm-hmm. but the thin production affects my enjoyment of the album. So, Agreed, yeah. Yeah, like, this is probably my favorite 70s Priest album next to Sin After Sin. Uh you know, it's got a really cool bad attitude. It's got metal mainstays like Delivering the Goods and Hellbent for Leather. One time I was in a... This is really cool. I was sat in uh, and a pub called The Mermaid out in kind of the Nuki area. It's on a beach. It's a really cool place. Mm-hmm. But 
clearly they had a rocker working the jukebox that night because we had delivering the goods and immediately after it was um the pantera cover of planet caravan and i was just sat there eating this like surf and turf meal thinking this is fucking rad dude whoever's doing the <laughs> tunes knows what's up yeah but yeah um i mean it's it's a good it's a good catchy hard rocking album and mm-hmm. um I even think it's better than uh, British Steel. So uh, I think I had it ranked higher than that as well on my my ranking. Yeah, yeah, they 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 have quite an up and down discography, like consistency wise. But when they hit, they do really hit. Yeah. Um. So with that, I mean, I don't have an awful lot else to say uh, other than it's a really cool album. Awesome. And I'm, and I, and I'm, it's, it's nice, you know, for everybody out there, all the metalheads that watch us or listen to us regularly there, we, it's good to get some priest on there. Cause I know there's always, there's always somebody that's like, you know, why, why didn't you mention priest? And <laughs> there we go. We did. Um, now going back over to me where I'm going to literally move things away from heavy music again. Um, Cause that's how I, that's how I do. Is anything in here actually heavy? <laughs> I think I think there's one album in my top ten that be, that be actually called Heavy, maybe. Damn. Um, but uh, but yeah. Anyway, my my number uh, nine is uh, you're gonna get it by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Nice. Now, I I did a video two three three years ago where I did my top five of 1978, and this was in my top five. And now things have rearranged to where this is number nine in my top mm. ten. Um, and it's only because like I, I, uh, we'll get, we'll get to, to why, but there's some other ones that I'm, that I was introduced to and other ones that I went, Oh, I didn't include this last time because of this, but now I have 10 spots. Um, so this got pushed to number nine, but this is a fucking great album. I mean, the, the it's got, it's got, um, I need to know, I need to know is in my top 10 Tom Petty songs ever made. I mean, it's also got listen to her heart. If you, if you're looking for the big hits, but the rest of this album is not, it's not chock full of hits. And, and, and actually it's not an album that people talk about a lot because it sits right in between the debut album, which, you know, is important because it's the first Tom Petty album. And then, um, is, is it fucking, uh, whatever the fucking third album is called, which I damn the torpedoes. Oh yeah. Damn, damn the torpedoes, which um, that's the fucking one that broke huge for him. And this one is the one in the middle that has less hits. And it's a little bit more of a, of a laid back affair for most of the album. And so mm-hmm. people look at it and go, well, this is not a go-to Tom Petty album. And I'm like, well, that's absolutely true, but it's a Tom Petty album and he's an artist that in my opinion never did anything that wasn't high quality even even up to his dying day. Every album that that dude put out I look at it and go, fuck, I would never be able to do anything anywhere near that good. Mm. Um and so you're going to get it as just one of those ones that just it gets forgotten because it's not one of the biggies uh but it's a great album and Tom Petty's one of the greatest songwriters ever in my opinion. So, um, but other things ended up coming into my list and it pushed (laughs) Mr. Petty, uh, down to number nine. And so, uh, so that leads us, that leads us to number eight for you, sir. Cool. So here we go. Uh, with the band on your shirt. Yes. We have, which is is rush for the people listening at home. Yep. I've gone with hemispheres. Oh, 
yeah. Like what it's, a fucking it's a, yeah. It's great. You know. Spoiler it, alert, it, this is this is in my list somewhere. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I'd never have guessed. <laughs> um but yeah, it's it do you know what I love about this album is everything. Yeah, but it, yeah. but it's it it always made me laugh. I I always got to make this joke. It, you know, Rush is one of the only bands that can I can look at the track listing and it's an EP's worth of tracks, but it's an LP length album because it's yeah. only got four songs on yeah. it. You know, but one of them is almost twenty minutes, and the other one is approaching the ten minute mark with two yep. shorter songs in the middle. Um, I mean, what what can I say, man? Every moment on this is killer. Yeah. Um, you know, from the moment you put the fucking needle down to the moment it comes off, you are just hit with musical genius at every turn. Like mm-hmm. these, and to think it's only three dudes, man. Like, I mean, oh, yeah. I know, you know, obviously there's overdubs in a studio, but they made it work live too, which oh, is yeah. like, God, dude. I mean, honestly, honestly, like I, I don't know. We, I don't know if we've ever really talked about this. I'm sure we have, but I don't give two shits about a band being able to pull off this, this stuff live. Hmm. As a matter of fact, I would love it if they, they throw in everything and all the bells and whistles in the studio album to make it the most unique album they can. And then it's, it's so cool to hear sort of repurposed stripped down versions of the songs live. So rush Hmm. ended up like using, you know, keys and other stuff and triggers that they would use in order to like add some of these things in, which is fine. But even if they hadn't, I'm like, that doesn't matter because a good song is a good song. But I, I, I'm one of those people that I do not, I, I, I really don't like it when a band just completely recreates the exact same thing on the album live. So I would prefer the album to be grandiose and the biggest, boldest representation of those songs. And then bring them to me live in the stripped down, like dudes playing instruments version um, unless you're the kind of band that hires a string section and a choir and, <laughs> and whatever. Yeah. Um, it's like, uh, I don't know why this reminded me of this, but when in, in 2000 and um, three, two, it was, it was, it was early on. Um, I went to go see the strokes and this was before the strokes album had ever even come out in America. There wow. was so much hype over this band that they sold out a big ass venue and they, their album hadn't been out in America yet. It was just out in England. Wow. And um, and I had already heard it. Like, I had a friend that got an import version, and we were really into to what the Strokes were doing. But I just remember walking away from their show and being like, they literally, like, stood there and played identical versions of the songs that are already on the album. And I went, <laughs> I mean, it was cool to be there and say, like, I saw the Strokes, and they were cool. They, they, they're, they're great dudes and, like, a, a cool band. You know, I'm not, like, a super big fan or anything. But I just remember leaving going, so what is my problem here? Maybe they could have made the album better. And then the live mm. performance would have been cooler because it had been just four dudes stripped down doing their thing. But it's that's a, a good example of just like, if you're giving me the identical thing, it's kind of not worth my money. And so mm. um, that's just my opinion. How, how, how do you feel about that? I think you're right. I, I think, you know, the... the- purpose of going to see a band live is to see you know something different you know you're so used to hearing it as is so to experience it in the moment 
you expect a different thing. So when you get, you know, verbatim, it does, you know, it's, it's kind of like how Metallica will play certain songs faster or slower, depending on like how um, they're received by the fans. So like, you know, I was been re-listening to uh, the Mexico City live ship binge and purge show them oh, uh yeah and i was listening to whiplash and i thought fuck man like they took that classic and just gave them exactly what they wanted to hear just an even faster more intense version live but yeah. is that, that and that's that's when they were letting like jason was doing like the third verse or something like that yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely killer yeah. Yeah. And and they and they do that they do that thing too where they add different like flourishes and accents that aren't on the album when mm. they play stuff live. I, and some of it's just like over time has become the way that they play a particular song. Um I don't, honestly live stuff, I mean cuz it's it's Metallica. It's weird. It's 1978. We're talking about Metallica. Yeah. <laughs> but um that's what we do. Um it's like there are things that they do live that have become such a part of the song that when I hear the studio versions, I, I my brain does the Goes, things from the live version. Yeah. The thing that I always do is that whenever I hear the memory remains, when it's about to go into the solo, I always go, Mr. Hammett, because he always <laughs> says, because now he always says, Mr. I don't know if he always says it, but he said it in enough live stuff where he went, Mr. Hammett. And I'm like, it needs to just be in the song. <laughs> Anyway, uh, um, where were we at? <laughs> what were we on? Uh, yeah, we were talking about Hemispheres by Rush. Oh, um, shit. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, La Villa Strangiato, that mm. closer. God damn, dude. Yeah. Like, shit, man. Like, Probably one of my favorite guitar solos in that album from Alex Lifeson, just is the buildup of that solo and that little quiet part building up. It, I I love some of that shit just gives me the chills every time just even thinking about it. It's so yeah. great. Wild stuff. I uh, man, I'm always like stumped for what to say. I mean, you know, Rush don't need me to fillet them for the next 10 <laughs> minutes. They're yeah, fucking yeah. Rush, you know. So if you haven't heard it, listen to it. Yeah. But if if you're watching this show, you you have probably heard it. <laughs> Yeah, but, yeah, and yeah. and and it's and, and obviously it also runs into that thing of like Getty's voice is sometimes a breaking point or a or a whatever you call it point of contention mm. or a, something that keeps people away from listening to them, um, which is strange because I really like his voice and I like how it yeah. goes with the music, but you know it is what it is. Um, I used so, to do this uh, running gag. Sorry, when when we were in college. Uh-huh. I used to I used to do this running gag where I, whenever we got given like the studio headphones, I would put on like black aviators and do the Tom Sawyer video. I was oh, yeah. like, what you say about his company is what you say about society. <laughs> you know, just a really exaggerated Geddy Lee. But I, yeah. I also I'm a big Geddy Lee fan as well. I th- I think he's got a very unique, identifiable timbre to his voice, and I think. That's a great fucking thing to have. What about the voice of Getty Lee? How mm. did it get so high? I wonder if he speaks like an ordinary guy. I met him, and he does. Well, you're my fact-checking cuz. Mm. Anyway, anybody that, know that song? <laughs> that had a fucking vibe, bro. That's by a band called Pavement. Mm. Um, I think that song is called Stereo. Something like that. Anyway, that's you know, I like I like <laughs> missing pavement. 
Anyway, that's once again not the seventies. <laughs> that is the I, I think early nineties. That album. Um, anyway, let's get more rocking. Okay. Um, this is an album that I, I I I thought about not including it because it has like a sister album or a brother album that's also here. But I'm like, fuck it, whatever. I'm including it because I love this album. The Paul hey. Stanley solo album, Paul Stanley yeah. Kiss solo album. This is one of those ones that some of these songs on here I love more than Kiss songs. Hmm. Just, I mean, I really do think. Wouldn't you like to know me? Yeah. May, may, ah, fuck. Maybe like love. Not about love and change. Good, goodbye. God damn, there's so many fucking great songs on this. Um, and then, of course, you know, you've got things like Hold Me, Touch Me, you know, which is a little bit cheese ball, which is a big reason why this is at number. Where are we at? Seven and mm. uh, or eight. This is why this is at number eight and not higher, because of the quality of some of these songs, I'm just like, fuck, man. Paul Stanley was just like, oh, I get to do my own album. Fuck all of you guys. I'm just. Yeah. Gonna, <laughs> well, here's, here's my really great material. Um and so, yeah, I, I had to include the Paul Stanley solo album just because it's it, it's in, it's insane that, you know, it's, I, I know that some people don't like Kiss at all. That's fine. You're you're weird. Um, but um, <laughs> the ones who do, it's just the fact that, like, you know, if you're a fan and you're just like, oh, there's all this great Kiss stuff. And then they just decided to fuck off and all make solo albums. And um all of them have qualities that I really, really like. Hmm. And so that's, um, I don't know. That's interesting. Anyway, um, <laughs> in which, which eventually will, 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 will a little, little nod to people out there. There will be a video that we do or a, a podcast episode we do that has something to do with those four solo mm-hmm. albums. But um, yeah, Paul Stanley solo albums, fucking great. A huge blast. Some great, rock tunes and just memorable sing-along kind of shit. I love it. Um, Mm. So that's my number eight. It's one of those things that just further reinforces uh, Paul Stanley's big dick energy because the thing is, straight up, this motherfucker, the front man already of the hottest band in the world, Kiss, goes off, makes a Kiss album by himself and it rules, you know. Yeah, you know, it's it's just that's one of the best. You know what? Fuck it, I I can do this. I I am God, <laughs> you know. Uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. And honestly, cool. that's around the time, like around this time, like he's he's. He, I think starting at around seventy eight, into into up until the late eighties, like his singing abilities were fucking insane. Like he mm. just became such a great singer. I mean, he's still a good singer, but you know what I mean? Like that was his yeah. prime. His prime was around that time where he just sounded so great. That's the thing. Like as well, you just to tie it back to the Metallica thing we were talking about, you go to a Metallica show and you get, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> At a fucking Paul Stanley show, you get, You just recently saw Kiss. Did he do that live? Did he do like a repeat after me? That's <laughs> so weird when he does it. But I was just in awe of the entire show, man. Oh, I like, bet. I bet. It was, 
I doubt in terms of spectacle I will ever see anything quite like that again. Like, as cool yeah. as it was to see Metallica when I saw them, you know, Kiss are a theatrical live act. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, so cool. And, you know, Tommy Thayer did this, like, fucking guitar solo where he shot down these fucking UFOs. <laughs> shit was rad. Holy shit, that sounds yeah. awesome. Yeah, it was amazing. Real quick, I'm going to camp out here as well. Um, okay. So they come down on these platforms, right? Sometimes said platforms raise up. There's screens on the bottom of the platforms, and when they face towards the crowd, there's screens uh-huh. on them, and the choreography involved in Tommy remembering which of the UFOs to shoot down, because there's like nine of the fuckers, right? Yeah. And he's like... Pshaw! And it's like yeah. shooting these uh, aliens down, and it's like, what? I mean, I yeah. know it sounds pantomime. I know it sounds kind of cheesy, but I fe- it, in that moment, I felt like a fucking nine-year-old. I was like, I yeah. Know, there's, there, there are certain what? things that, like, if you start, if you take things too seriously, it's like, what kind of a boring ass life do you have? <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like sometimes just try to enjoy yourself. Jeez. Yeah. I'm not really, I'm probably not talking to anybody listening to us because I feel like we got a lot of people that, um, like us, uh, are just here to have a good time. Not here for a long time. We're here for a good time. Don't need nothing um, but a good time. That's true. Um, so what, yeah, so now we're moving on to, uh, your number seven album of 1978. Well, this is a really cool segue because, uh, a major, (laughs) one of the major crushes my girlfriend has is Paul Stanley. Uh-huh. One, possibly my biggest crush of anyone ever is Ann Wilson from the band Heart. Okay, okay. And uh, I have gone for my number seven with the album Dog and Butterfly by Heart. Okay, I don't know if I even know this album. It's really cool. Like, opens up with this, like, fake live intro and then you get this absolutely rocking song cooked with fire you get high time high jinx straight on is an absolute banger got a really vibey chorus and it's like mm-hmm. kind of it's a little bit fleetwood Mackie, but a bit more rocking yeah. um but there's a song at the end of this album called mistral wind straight up like a heavier led zeppelin like heavier led zeppelin okay yeah like this song when i heard it i was like this sounds fucking heavy for you know a band that just hit me with a folk ballad you know because like that that's the cool thing about heart is that especially in their 70s stuff you could get like the zeppelin-y sort of folk stuff but then they would bust out a riff that was even heavier than, you know, anything Zeppelin did. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Bar- Barracuda is an example. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, Dog and Butterfly is a really cool album. And it has a few, like, jangly, chorusy, clean moments on it. Yeah. Which, you know, I, I love when rock bands do that shit. I'm a slut for the chorus. But, uh, you know, the, the, the Wilson sisters... Just yeah, damn. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, nice. Um, I just want to take a moment as well to say that Anne Wilson's most recent um, solo album is really cool. So, okay. hey, I didn't, I, I didn't even know she pulled one out until you mentioned it to me. 
Yeah, it's it's got like a Roger Dean um, artwork to it. You said it looked like a Yes album, and and yeah, you're right because it's same, same <laughs> artist. But yeah, um, yeah, I think it's called Fierce Bliss, and basically sums up the the vibe there so i'm gonna hand it over to you before i get a little horned up (laughs) cool um i'm gonna i'm gonna bring it back over to to england um for this for a debut album from a band i guess this i get i don't know i guess this falls in more in the power pop world but not so much maybe you'll maybe you let me know um but this is a band that actually like has a history with my hometown and I'll get into that and this particular album. My number 7 uh the debut album from The Police which nice. is called Outlandos de Amor or something like that. Um cuz I do not speak French. I think that's what that is. That's French, isn't it? Mm. Um or or Latin or something. But like the first Police album, they I, I think all of their albums are good, but they literally like blew their wad all in the first album. Cause this says <laughs> like next to you. So lonely Roxanne can't stand losing you. Truth hits everybody. Like all those songs Fuck. are on here. Damn. And, um, and it's just such a well done album. Like what, what would you consider their music? It's not, they has some power pop qualities. I wouldn't I even would call s- it new wave. Yeah. It's got a little bit of, of raga in there. I I always, you know, whenever I think of the police, I am kind of tempted to lump them in with the new wave thing, but that's only because there's so much of everything else and, and it's a convenient timepiece to call them part of a an era. But, yeah. you know, there's elements of punk, there's elements of new wave, there's elements of reggae, there's, yeah. there's a lot of stuff going on in the police. Um and just to you know, I've I've been replaying all of the original Spyro games, mm-hmm. and Stuart Copeland made oh. all the music for those games, which is yeah. really cool. But yeah, I've, I mean, I definitely need to dive deeper into them as a band. But everything I've heard, I think, is incredibly strong. You well, know? I mean, we'll we'll rank them at some point, but I think they only have five albums. It's not very much that they mm. that they ended up doing, but. Um, I just love the the thing that's always made me a police fan since you know I first heard them was um, it started to it really made me listen to how vocal melodies are written over music because yeah. Sting's vocal melodies are some of the most memorable things ever written to me mm-hmm. and somebody else could have come to the to that music and done something a little straightforward or, and it would have probably still been pretty good but he comes up with these ways these these lines that just go all over the place in there in in the, the the notes and and um so when i started writing my own music i i would i've never been able to get anywhere close to what he would do but i would always write something and go that could probably be more interesting i've got more room to play with with this and um, so Sting, I mean, you, you can say what you want. I don't give two shits about Sting anymore because he makes music for, for. I mean, I, I was about to say middle-aged people, but I'm pretty much, I, I'm I'm one year away from being considered middle-aged. But um, I uh, I just think that there's a, there's a certain point when you realize you're finally old is when you're like, mm. you know, that Sting solo stuff's actually pretty good. And you just get a fucking rubber stamp that says old. <laughs> 
And, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but the police, uh, you know, all that shit, like so much good music. And that first album is just insane. Um, how fucking great it is. But, uh, but my top, my top six, they have, they, they all, I'm, I'm excited to get to some of these. Yeah. Um, oh, I was going to say how they're, how they're related to my hometown of Austin, Texas. So the story goes, and this is from Sting's mouth. Um, the album came out. And it wasn't doing very well at all. Mm. And then a radio station in Austin, Texas, started playing Roxanne a lot. And then from there, it started to catch on all over the country. And so, you know, he's he's been gone on record and saying, like, this radio station in Austin, Texas is pretty much the reason why we broke and, and started our career. Wow. And I'm like, hell yeah, because I mean, <laughs> it, it makes me happy because you you mentioned Texas and I'm like, oh, man, if they're responsible for music, it's probably a bunch of shit. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and I'm saying that as a as a resident here, like most of the music that people mention when they mention Texas, I go, oh, God, I need to move. Um, but we've got some good things that happened here. And one of those things was we are responsible for breaking uh, the police. And that's that's a proud thing for me. I'm going to put, put that on my list of like eight things that I'm proud of for being from Texas. <laughs> anyway, oh, that's, my, that's my number seven. Awesome. So my uh, number six is now I'm, I'm going to take you to a little, little bit of a little bit of the prog zone. It's not a, it's oh. not a crazy, it's not a crazy proggy prog album, but it has its moments it's Got also it. it's also a very accessible album at the same time, and that is "Breathless" by Camel. Okay, I don't. I have no. I literally, you literally. It, it's it, you. Might you just said random words? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, okay, "Breathless" by Camel. And I, yeah. I, I don't think I've ever. I mean, maybe if I saw the album cover, I might know it. But I've never. I've no. I don't think I've ever heard it. Yeah, it's it's. Um, I had a friend, uh, well, you know, I say I had, I stay, he's still my friend. I went to college with uh, a guy that was deep into the 70s prog stuff. Like, yeah. we're talking, like, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, all that stuff. Like, mm -hmm. and he was the guy to go to for recommendations of really far out prog stuff. But he was listening to a song on this album called Echoes, and he thought, Damn, this actually reminds me of something that, you know, you might like. Well, so I was, or Eddie. Sorry, I keep doxing myself, man. I'm, uh, my name, my name is Eddie. <laughs> my name is Eddie. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, it's a really cool soaring guitar part at the start, but there's a lot of really nice, you know, pretty beautiful moments on this album. The song mm -hmm. Breathless, Starlight Ride, Rainbow's End. They're all incredibly nice sounding songs, you know, and it's yeah, it's it does have its moments where it goes into more proggy, like wow, okay, where is this heading with songs like uh, the Sleeper? But but you're, but you're saying it's a, but you're saying it it's, it has accessible qualities as well, like it's yeah, like it, it's, it's not it's not it's not that prog that it seems like it wants to alienate everybody. It's a welcoming prog. Yeah, it's 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 much more. It, you could hear some of these songs on the radio, you know. That they're, they're gotcha. that sort of thing. But it, for a sizable chunk of this album, it's just really nice. It's got a really nice chilled out vibe, and mm. I like that about it, you know. Um, 
yeah, I, I actually need to listen to more of their albums, but this is the one that I've definitely gravitated towards the most. Uh, but the, it's kind of a hodgepodge of, of all the styles of kind of rock at the time. It has its moments where a riff will come in and burn it down and down, and I'll be like, oh, yeah. okay. But um, then they'll hit you with something that could be in a more whimsical part of fucking Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And it's, it's like, yeah, it's part, it's moments like that that make me really enjoy albums like this. Cause you, on the one hand are really relaxed, but you're kind of on secretly on the edge of your seat. Like, Oh, what's the next song going to be like? Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's my number six, uh, breathless by camel. I have to, I'll have to check that out. I don't, I, yeah, I really, it does not ring any kind of bell at all. So that's interesting. Um, all right. So for my number six, this is the, this is the newest addition to my seventies favorites and mm-hmm. it made it to number six. I'm just going to go ahead and throw it out there. Cause you're going to be happy about this one. Yes. Um, the yeah. self-titled album from Toto. And um, yeah. it's, be, it's because we did the ranking of Toto. Now I, I have to admit, like I, like I don't, most Toto albums, I don't really want to go back and listen to this one. On the other hand, I've listened to it a lot because it's mm. it's got just some fucking amazing songs on it. But at the same time, the songs that are the songs that don't immediately jump out like, oh, this is great. There's a vibe to the whole fucking album yeah. that just feels so good. And it's, a lot of it is very like Yacht Rocky. You know, there's a little bit of that on here. But just like on on their own. I'll supply the love. Manuela run girl. Goodbye. Hold the line. Those four songs all should have been hit songs. Mm. Um, everyone knows hold the line. I mean, it's, you know, it's a, it's a seventies classic, but I, it's just, you know, I, it's, it, this is like one of the things like from doing cranked and ranked, I found this album. I'm just like, man, this is like one of the best albums of the seventies to me. <laughs> Cause it's just got such a great, I mean, we've, we talked about it in the thing. These are all like pro- studio musicians, professionals. So it's like dudes that know what they're doing really well, all coming together and writing amazing songs and performing them amazingly. Yeah. Um, and it's, and it's also not, it's got like bits in there that I would equate on the prog side of things. Although there's no way you would equate them with prog, but just like mm. little elements, but you know, those elements come from the fact that these dudes are just insane musicians. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, just the fact that like I had never listened to this album in full until like a year ago or whatever, whenever we did Toto. Um, yeah. And now it's just one that I, I'm just like, this is just such a fucking good album. Um, so my number six is Toto, the uh, the self-titled Toto album. Warms my heart that that was that was my <laughs> doing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it absolutely was. Awesome. Um, so we're, I'm, I'm going to take now over to. A band that we covered not long ago, and okay. that is the album "Don't Look Back" by Boston. Aha, uh-huh, yep. And there's a reason it is slap bang in the middle of this list. You can't fucking go wrong with seventies Boston. There yeah, is just agreed. there is just something about these first two albums. You know, if you're looking at it objectively. These first two albums are must-owns for a 70s rock fan. Like, yeah. god damn, this one might not have 
the hits that the debut has, but it still has all of that vibe. Like mm-hmm. it's still in that, you know, ma- massive guitar minis, big organ parts, mm-hmm. huge soaring vocals. Um, you know, in don't look back. It's easy feeling satisfied. Like feeling satisfied, right. one, feeling satisfied is one of the best Boston songs to me. I love it. Yeah. It, it, you, you just can't, you can't go wrong. Don't look back more like can't go wrong. <laughs> um, I'm glad that you, that that was in your list because that one would have been like number 11 for me. It barely yeah. was barely outside the top 10. Um, but yeah, that's a we we talked about that album very recently, so I guess yeah. we don't need to go too much more into it. I definitely think it's got the best artwork of any Boston album, though. I, I really it's, it like is very cool. I like the hovering above a planet with searchlights and their giant crystals and there's grass and it's just a really cool image, you know. But yeah, uh, yeah. I'm gonna let you o- over to you. All right, moving back over to the world of power pop because, like, apparently I'm in love with it for the set, for especially since 1978. <laughs> um, an absolute classic album. Uh, so, nice. the, the third Cheap Trick album, Heaven Tonight, um, which is, uh, it's, it's, so this is, so this has like Surrender, one of the biggest Cheap Trick songs on it, but it's got like so many fucking great songs on it. Um, I mean, even just going into the, on the top of the world, the second song, but it also has Af Wiedersehen, which Anthrax covered at one point. Um, mm. But it's just, it's just, this is like, to me, when it comes to Cheap Trick, this is kind of when they nailed it, um, their sound. Because I think that, you know, when we did, when we did 1977, I talked about their first two albums, which are good, really good albums, but have like a little, some of their, some shortcomings, I, I think. And then with heaven tonight, everything just seemed like it gelled. The production is there. The songwriting is there. And even the one, the album after dream police, it to me is also one where I think they just, everything was gelling with those guys. Um, and it's just a, just classic fun sing along anthems, um, and so much fucking energy. And I love che- that, that cheap trick was such a weird band to try to pin down because yeah. yeah they had power pop elements but like they were like a punk band you know yeah. in many ways too um and at the same time you had like the the 70s good looking front man kind of thing going on too they were like a, such a unique package of of what they were doing and um god it's just a, a heaven tonight's just such a fucking cool album and um yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's fu- it's fucking great. It made it made it to uh, my top five. Um, nice. and so uh, that's where we stand, top five. And now we're now we're into now we're into the top four. Top four, and uh, I'm gonna jump back over to an album you've already brought up, but uh, I couldn't not have it here. Uh, it's the Paul Stanley solo album from 1978. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean. <sighs> Paul went and did a Kiss album by himself and nailed it. Mm-hmm. Tonight You Belong to Me and Wouldn't You Like to Know Me were enough to give it a place on this list. Oh God, High like up. It's fucking great. Yeah, I know. It should be such a it should be such a bigger song, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. That is a song that should have been huge. Um, absolutely no fucking reason as to, as to why it shouldn't have. I love this album, but... Like you, 
There is also another album from this batch <laughs> yeah. that, you know, we like just a little bit more. But, yeah. I mean, Paul Stanley's solo album is great. Yeah, like, it is. It is great. I'm going to bring up all of the other tracks as well that I haven't mentioned yet. Like Move mm-hmm. On, Ain't Quite yeah. Right, Together yeah. is One, or Take Me Away, It's mm-hmm. All Right. Hold me, touch me. You know, just uh, love in chains. I love love in chains and yeah. goodbye. Oh, it's it's all just really catchy, great hard rock, and it yeah. went to show that Paul Stanley was more than just a you know pretty face and a good front man. I, I mean, for many years, even into the eighties, he was the driving force in that band. Yeah. So I mean, you know, you got to give that guy some credit. Like that's the that's the thing. Is it like you know? As, as much as you want to talk shit about, you know, Gene Simmons and the commercialization of, of Kiss and all of this stuff. Yeah. Um, Paul Stanley is a dude that's just been true to who he is since day one. Yeah. And has never, never backed down. Like he's just had this drive to keep going. And um, it's, it's, uh, it's inspiring, really. Um, so, uh, yeah. And then, and then they're, and they're wrapping it up as kiss, even though I think, I think their, 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 their farewell tour still has like two years on it. <laughs> so <laughs> They'll get there eventually, but he still does other stuff. He has his like soul band that he does yeah. on the side. Um, yeah, Paul's great. Paul um, is great. All right, so now we're getting into this, the top four mm-hmm. now. I almost feel like that my top four is just a real mushed together number one that's just sliced <laughs> into four pieces. Cool. But it's really hard to, to like rank. It's really hard to rank these. Um, but I did it. And uh, my number four, Van Halen, self-titled four. album. Yeah, number four. Number four is Damn. Van Halen. Um, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, because you, you're going to get to a point. Yeah, no, I'm, tar- I'm sorry. Like, I'm looking at the albums that are here. I'm like, yeah, these are all like absolutely fucking killer albums. Wow. Um, and then Van Halen's self-titled album is my number four. Do I even need to like you? you like, I love how like on, on so many albums from the 70s, the track list is out of order. And I'm like, why yeah. did they write it out of order? But it's like, you know, you really got me. Jamie's crying on fire, running with the devil. I'm the one ain't talking about love. It's not until you get to like Little Dreamer that I go, OK, that one's not as amazing, but it's still really good. And then it jumps right back to feel your love tonight. Atomic Punk Eruption Ice Cream Man. What the fuck, man? Yeah, this is like. <laughs> I'm preaching to the choir with probably everyone that's listening to this, but it's like one of the best debut albums ever made. Um, another one of the best debut albums ever made is coming up in my list. Um, and I think that it's better than this one. It's a personal, it's a personal choice. Um, but this Van Halen album, it's, it's also, it's got the, 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 the reach and um, influence that it has. And, and, and it left because you were talking about like the, you know, the 80s rock bands being influenced by certain bands. And I think that yeah. Van Halen is another one of those bands, you know, that, that are they're so Help. much responsible for shit that happened in the 80s. Some of you'd be like, well, that's that's lame. But I'm like, no, it's great. There was a lot of fun music that came out in the 80s. Yeah. And sometimes that's what you want. You want rock and roll that's not taking itself too seriously um, and is, you know, giving you like you know a hundred percent badass all the fucking time and that was that was van halen um so yeah number four van halen one although i guess at the time it was just called van halen but now i think people refer to it as van halen one but cool i mean three 
Whew. I mean, it's all up in the air now. I was expecting that one to crack the top three at least. Yeah. Damn. Wow. Um, okay, so my number three is Ace Frehley's solo album. Sweet. So, you know, let's go, eight, let's, let's, yeah. let, let's go ahead and put these together because it's also my number three. Nice. Um, Ace cool. Frehley solo album. I God, I love this album. But I'll, I'll let you go first talking about it. Yeah, like Ace went and did a harder edged album than Paul. And while yeah. the while you could argue that Paul's is catchier, I have a special place in my heart for Ace Man. Like Rip It Out, Speeding Back to My Baby, New York mm. Groove. Like they're all great fun songs. I mean, I know New York Groove is a cover. Uh, but Snowblind, New, New York Groove to me is the worst song on the album, and I and I and I love it. But it's like the one that I go, eh, I could do without this one. But yeah. the rest of the album's <laughs> fucking killer. Oh, man, Ozone, what's on <sighs> your mind? I'm in need yep. of love. Wiped out, fractured mirror, like shit, man. Like he his songwriting on this album is so, is so great because it's not so much of it is not. Some of it's very conventional, and some of it's very much not. Where like mm. the the way that a song ended up, they used to just listen to the song wiped out. Like yeah, that it's no, there's no real like chorus to it, and it, it gets <laughs> a little bit psychedelic kind of um, with, with a heavy ass riff. But I just feel like Ace was like finally able to be like, look, I'm just gonna make these songs into what they become out of my brain. Mm. And he just had an amazing backing band, and it, they're they're just such great fucking rock songs all over this album. Yeah, man. And like, Ace is probably my favorite Kiss member. You know, I just mm. you know I always loved his you know kind of energy, and you know I I always found his like uncontrollable laughing quite endearing, even though it <laughs> yeah. pissed the band off a lot. I always liked that he was kind of the prankster of the yeah. band. And I also feel like he was a little bit of an underdog character because he was the last guy in the band to start singing. And when he did yeah. start singing, he had some bangers. It's just unfortunate that, you know, he would depart not long after that started taking off. But, you know, yeah. he had had his own projects, um, which are also really cool. But this album, man, I mean, yeah. there's like a... There's like a split camp, isn't there, where it's like Ace and Peter did the better of the two. Uh, who, who says Peter? Who says sorry. Peter did the better of the two? Sorry, I <laughs> fucked up. I, said, I meant Paul. God damn it. Yeah. P names. Sorry. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ace and Paul did the better of the two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but like. I, f I find enjoyable qualities in all of them, like you say. Absolutely. But it's these two that are the... Like, if you want rock and you want a catchy one and you want a rocking one, yeah. boom. Yeah. Like, like the, the, I love the Ace Freely album so much that, that, you know, personally speaking, if I ever am just like, oh, I want to listen to some Kiss and I want it to be 70s Kiss, I probably will go to this album before any actual Kiss album. Wow, um, and I love all of those Kiss albums, but there's a there's just something about this album and the vibe of it, the just the carefree, who gives a fuck badassness of it, 
Yeah. It's, and, and it's, and it's, and it's a little bit odd too. And so I feel like maybe I kind of hone in on that aspect of it, that it's not, if there's something about it that you can tell it comes from a, a, the brain of a guy that's a little bit kooky. And, um, <laughs> and I, yeah, it's just so, it's so fucking great. It's just a, it's an amazing album. And it, I mean, it's, and it's, it makes sense. It's the one that a lot of people say is the best out of the four. And I absolutely agree. Um, and I sure. love it. Nice. That, that, that brings us all around to number, number, uh, number two now. Holy shit. Cool. So Pretty yeah, my, my number two is one that you have mentioned and that is the debut album from Toto. Yeah. Three words. Hold the <laughs> line. Yeah. I personally, in my humble opinion, hand on my heart, Hold the Line is a top five song of all time in any genre ever. I mean, it's great. It's a great song. I'm, I firmly believe every single time I hear that opening snare hit, chills every time without fail, exactly the same as the first time I heard it. And that's only one of the songs. And it's like weird the, that, that that song has a much more seventies rock quality, and most of the album doesn't really have that. It's not, yeah. you know, it's not as heavy. Yeah, this is definitely like the the big heavy moment on the album, and I like that mm-hmm. it's kind of the penultimate track because you've still got um, Angela after this one, yeah. which is this really cool power ballad, but still quite heavy. Uh, eh, sorry. Uh, Child's Anthem into into I'll Supply the Love is an excellent album opener. Um, yeah. yeah, Georgie Porgy, Manuela Run, You Are the Flower. I've I've really grown to love You Are the Flower so much. Like that mm-hmm. that opening piano, with the flute and everything. It's like, mm-hmm. damn. It for some reason it gets the riff face out of me, but it's like, <laughs> oh, this is groovy. Yeah. Um, Girl goodbye, like you said, killer song. Taking it back is a really cool vibey one. Rock maker is fun. Whole album is just a. I mean, it's a super group of session players who are all on top of their game. Yeah, and the end result is. As such, you know, because this thing kicks yeah. ass from start to finish. Um, it's high up in my uh, Toto ranking. It, it's probably not my favorite favorite, but it's it's definitely it's, one it, of it's, the It wasn't top. your number one. So. Nah, but that's because that's because I'm a slut for mid eighties AOR. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, with that said, I mean we've already had a big old chat about this one. So I'm going to hand it over to you for your number two, and then we can do our number ones. Okay. Um, so this, this is a really important album for me and not, not so that we are literally, we're literally in like, you know, between Ace Freely, this album and my number one, these are like desert Island albums for me. Wow. Um, and this one is in my opinion, if one, I it's in the top five of the best debut albums ever made. Um, and I absolutely love it. Every second of it. Um, the self-titled album from the cars. Nice. It, it is one of the best albums ever made. 
And um, it never, it to me, it never loses any of its charm. And the production on this is so fucking good. It sounds amazing. The fact that it's like 1978, you still put it on today. You put on some headphones and you're just like, holy shit, this sounds fucking good. Um, <laughs> but I mean, track listing, good times roll. My best friend's girl, just what I needed. That's just the first three songs right there. Um, and then, of course, side B, you've got songs like You're All I've Got Tonight and Moving in Stereo. I mean, it's it is every song is a banger and they're obviously more on the new wave side of things. But um, I just I love the cars. The cars is like up there with like what I think are one of the best bands ever. And um Except for when they like get back together, they got back together like after after Benjamin Orr died, and did another album. And I'm like, look, I love Rick Ocasek. <laughs> That's the weird thing about the Cars. If you're not a really big Cars fan, you probably think all the songs that you really love, it's Rick Ocasek singing them. But it's probably not. It's Benjamin Orr that sings them. But for some hmm. reason, Rick Ocasek became became the fa- the face of the band because he's the the oddest looking guy in the band and so everyone's like oh <laughs> so i remember when uh when rick ocasek died uh, a handful of years ago and people were just like posting all these songs and i kept commenting being like that's a benjamin orr song <laughs> quit, <laughs> quit assigning these songs to rick ocasek um anyway i love the cars i love this first album it's just one of my favorite albums ever made and it's uh it's so it's so good. Eventually, we got to rank the Cars albums. Um, and if mm. if you don't know, you'll you'll get into it. You'll know what I'm talking about when you start listening to all their stuff because they uh, it's all all of it's fucking great. But that's yeah. just a killer a killer debut. Um, so that's my number two. Cool. So my number one drum roll. Where I, I, I already know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it's um. I mean, it's it's Van Halen's debut album, man. I kind of gave it away with the four. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you did. You did give it away. Yeah, yeah. Um, my poker face today hasn't been my best work. Uh, That's all right. It's not, it's not like it's not like any of these are big reveals where people are like, yeah. oh, oh my god. Yeah. It's like you know, if you if you listen to us, I think a lot of these albums aren't really that surprising. Yeah, yeah, especially for longtime listeners. But like, yeah. For the peanut butter platypuses. Yes. But, like, you talk about changing the fucking game, man. Like, this yep. album is the absolute definition of that. This changed the direction of guitar-driven music forever. Nothing sounded like Van Halen's debut at the time of its release. Totally mm-hmm. sonically unique beast of an album. Um, and, you know, Eddie Van Halen is the... I- iconic you know guitar shredder like he's effectively the first one to do it mm-hmm. on a on a big scale but i mean you've got you've got fucking alex van halen killer drummer you've got mm-hmm. david lee roth singing absolutely wild insanely good front man yeah and michael anthony i mean pff- they they really were like one of the best rock bands ever. Yeah, um, like that, and, and I mean even even let's let's give Sammy his due too because when Sammy was in the band they oh, still sure. were an amazing rock band even if you don't prefer that stuff or whatever you know. I mean, I'm uh, wow. I mean, you know, when I think about it, you've got bands who have standout members, mm-hmm. 
Van Halen every single member of that band is crucial yeah you know uh, it's and it's such an incredible collection of people all in the same place and they all shine as a as a collective even if Eddie Van Halen is the you know spotlight shredding guy when they come together and start playing you know a song name me any bands you know you, you could definitely name a few as iconic but they are up there oh, way yeah. way up there did you i i actually never saw any footage of them when they were touring with wolfgang on bass um so mm. i don't i can't really say uh, an opinion on that but all i know is that that particular thing like michael anthony like his backing vocals are part of the thing that I love about Van Halen. Yeah. Um, and, and his bass playing, he's a good bass player, but just like mm. he did, he, he could sing really high and mm. compliment everything that Dave or Sammy was doing. And so when they, when they, you know, when they added, when they kicked him out or whatever happened with them and then Wolfgang came in, I'm like, well, you know, it's Wolfgang seems like, seems like a cool guy, but I'm just like, I really wasn't interested in hearing what they were doing because I'm like, I don't know, that just feels mm. wrong. feels wrong to me. It feels like a very important part of the recipe all of a sudden was taken out when it mm. still was available, you know? That's like, that's literally like making, making like some, some cookies and then leaving out the flour, but the flour is just like <laughs> sitting over there on the counter and just like, I, I'm tired of that flour. It's throwing something else. I'm like, what's wrong? The cookies aren't going to come out the right way. I love cookies, by the way. <laughs> I'd never have guessed. <laughs> um, anyway, did you hear any of that, of the stuff they did when they toured that, that last time? Uh, I can't say that I have. I might okay. have done a long time ago, but okay. yeah. That being said, I mean, it's fucking Van Halen, dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so to answer your question, um, is there a band as iconic as Van Halen? Yes, there is. Hey. That, that band is called Rush, and um, this the Hemispheres is my number one album of 1978 because it's a it's a fucking masterpiece. And mm -hmm. um, so this, it's the same thing. I agree with you 100 on Van Halen, but also um, Alex Lifeson, Getty Lee, Neil Peart. You you cannot replace any of yeah. the, those elements um but just like the like you said this is nothing but complete classics all the way through um and just the fact that like you know we got side one and it's the last time they ever did like a big ass like side long epic prog thing um and the the cygnus cygnus x1 it, it, it's it's a it's just a fucking great song all the way through but then even the beginning of side two with circumstances and the trees, like both really fucking great songs and then wrapping it up. You, I would have been fine with just that. They could have just had some sort of weird acoustic interlude at the end. And then and that'd have mm -hmm. been it. And it'd probably still be my number one of 78, but then they put La Via Strangiato at the end of it. And mm -hmm. it's one of those, it's one of those songs. I remember like um, I was on a road trip with my family and you know, I, you know, we have like a mix that just randomly plays stuff in the car and I don't know if my wife had ever heard La Via Strangiato before, and it just came up on the mix. 
And I didn't say a word. We're just driving down the highway. That song is playing and it ends. And my wife goes, that is the most entertaining instrumental song I've ever heard. And I'm like, I, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, there's no, no singing in it. It's just, it's, but it, it's just one of the most fascinating instrumentals ever made. Um, anyway, so yeah, so, uh, Hemispheres, we, we, we talked about it already. We also talked about it when we ranked Rush. If you guys didn't yeah. see that, we did a three-parter on We've got, we covered a lot of three-parter ground here because we had Judas Priest. We mm-hmm. had... Um, um, Black Sabbath. Black, no, no, I'm talking about like for this episode. Oh, um, right. We had, we had Rush. We had, um, what was the other three-parter that was on here? Oh, Toto. Kiss. Um, Kiss was a three-parter. Um, yep. was a, so if you, if you, we've ranked all those bands. So if you're a fan of 70s rock music um, and you're interested, yeah. go back and listen to the rankings we did of those, uh, of those bands. Um, a lot of them are not, if you're watching on YouTube, you don't get to see our faces, unfortunately, because we didn't start doing that until not even a year ago. I think we started doing the video all the time. Yeah. Because um, in the beginning, we had, we had this idea like, oh, it's going to be a podcast. But then, you know. All of a sudden, people are watching it on YouTube, and it's like, well, I got to give them something to look at. So that's why I'm you know, turned turn into a show. They need for to, sure. they need to, they need to be able to see Eddie Sparks because he's the, <laughs> you know, he's the eye I'm candy. Like, so, and <laughs> like, and like, glorious studio that is in the process of getting neater. It's yeah. getting there. Yeah. yeah, it's getting there. I mean, it's great. I'm just, I'm, I'm just happy that you have a space to do shit. Um, cause mm. that's, that's how I felt. Cause you know, before, like, you know, we, we didn't do a podcast together when I still lived in Austin, but I didn't have an office. It was a bedroom mm. that my computer was in and I did, you know, it, there, there was nothing interesting to look at in the room. Um, so when I moved here <laughs> and all of a sudden had my own space and was able to build this out into this world that I'm in now, um, it's just, it was, it was fantastic, but, um, awesome. But yeah. That's 1978. Um, we didn't. We didn't really. There wasn't a whole lot of tangents in this episode. We were. We were pretty. Uh, we kept things pretty tight. But um, yeah, we were pretty. Pretty on it. Yeah. But I mean, that that happens um, when these. When yeah. we're not really. We're not really going in depth to talk about like why a particular album ranks above or below a different one. It's just like, man, we love these albums, and um, that's that's the whole episode. So it's just like 1978. Man, we love these albums. Nice. That's the hell yeah we do. (laughs) So that uh, so that that's that brings us to the end of this uh, 1978 ranking. Um, As usual, um, if you're on YouTube, put in the comments what your favorite albums of 1978 are. And um, and if you're listening to this as a as a podcast, um, don't be afraid to reach out via email oldheadpodcast at gmail dot com. And I most of the time I try to respond, or if it's a interesting email i might even read it on the show yeah but, um but yeah that brings us to the end do you have anything any parting words for everybody if, um, about about 1978 or about anything that's on your mind yeah it's yeah i mean well said oh i got i got i, I got a few uh honorable mentions here. Oh shit, yeah, yeah. I forgot. I don't have any honorables, but yeah, let's hear your honorable mentions for 1978. I just well, to be fair, it pretty much consists of just I want to bring up the Gene Simmons and Peter Chris albums <laughs> just yeah. real quick cuz you know they they have they have moments on them too. 
Um, I definitely think Peter Chris. If if I'm gonna pick either of the two, I'm gonna go for Peters because it is just so different. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of you know stylistically, I mean it's it's more of an R and B kind of rock record than it is. You know, Gene went down a more soundtracky route, yeah. whereas Peter definitely decided, well, you guys are making rock albums, so I'm going to make something kind of groovy, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like, and it's, it's, I love that, like, like all those sort of yeah. little synths which he it, has it, on there. Which it's funny, like, it, 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 in, in hindsight, like, the all four albums just seem to fit their personalities very well. And so yeah. I, I wouldn't change a thing about any of them. Just kind of rubs it in when people turn around and say, "Oh, that's why. That's why that album's for pussies." <laughs> yeah, it's made by a cat. Who said? Honestly, the the only album that, I didn't mean that, that. The only the only <laughs> album that that didn't make my list that you didn't mention um, that almost made my list was the debut album from Devo. Uh, which is called um, oh, yeah. Are We Not Question, Are We Not Men? Answer, We Are Devo, um, which is awesome. It's like such a fucking great record. And um, but it just barely it barely fell outside everything to where I'm just like, yeah, I like it a lot, but it's it can't compete with all these other albums um mm. that I have on this list. But I think that's the only one that like we didn't mention. So um go go listen to Devo. Do it. Um, that's not, that's not on that one, but, um, I know, but I, I like, I like that riff. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, there you go. 1978. Woo. That's in the, that's the end of it. So, um, that's us that, that thank you for joining us for another episode of cranked and ranked. Um, we'll be back next week. Um, are we, are we, here's where, here's where we're going to do it. We don't, we won't talk about what we're going to talk about, but are, do you feel like it's going to be a band discography happening next week? Hmm. You're, you're put on the spot here, buddy. It's funny because I, I'm trying to figure out as to whether or not we're doing an episode next week for certain reasons. Cause I got, I have a, I have a gig perhaps somewhere oh. in the country but if i'm back if i'm if i'm back in time we can't we can't promise an episode right now but if we are back <laughs> we'll probably be doing something a little different okay yeah so stay yeah. tuned stay tuned um if if i i don't ever really like post anything about hey here a new episode's coming so it's kind of like hey once once wednesday rolls around if one doesn't come out guess what that means we didn't do one <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but when we do we're very happy that you join us so uh thank yeah. you very much for coming along for our top album of 1978 um and that's all we got so as usual i'm gonna throw it over to my man mr eddie sparks to take us out later dude love is always later whoa 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 Later, dude. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>